Hello and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight, we go even beyonderer with not one, but two show wrap-ups as we talk about The Bad Batch Season 2 and The Mandalorian Season 3. And a TV show means that we have a special guest joining us tonight is Noel Wood. Welcome, Noel. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us again. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and with me as always are Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Schonk. Over to you first, Chad. Hey, dummy. This is your reminder that this is a book club, TV club, I guess, and not a review show. We're going to spoil this show. We're going to spoil these shows, both of these shows. Over the course of our conversation, we may spoil anything else Star Wars, including the recent video game Jedi Survivor. Uh, just just while we're talking, we might spoil stuff. You know how it goes. You've been warned. Ryan, what, uh, what are they saying on the Holonets? Well, after 200 years or a month, whichever way you want to look at it, the Halcyon has shut down. (laughs) 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 So, yes, they've announced that they're closing the Galactic Star Cruiser after only one year of operation. I mean... Not a good look. You kind of had to see it coming. Like, the price was just too big. There were the economy is too bad. It was. And I'll be curious to see what they do with it. They have not said. Um, you know, they're currently in the process. Reservations will open back up tomorrow as we're talking. Um, they shut all reservations down to let people who had reservations past the September 28th close date adjust their plans if they could. And then tomorrow it will reopen. For those last suckers. Look, I may be one of those last suckers. I uh, <laughs> No, I, I would be tempted. They could turn it into a haunt. They could turn it into like, it'll be like 12 Spirit giant Halloween. escape rooms. <laughs> well, I, what I it's think. Indoor water park. Yes. <laughs> what I think they ought to do, honestly. Look, you've got the hotel. Like, it's all there. Just reopen it as a Disney resort. Don't do all the role playing and stuff. Role yes, playing, the all the stuff that makes it expensive, and just have it be another Disney option. Well, the uh, rooms aren't that nice. I would pay normal room prices for a room there. Yeah, I mean, I'd pay a little more just to stay there and like yeah. see it. But yeah, we'll see. I'm gonna look tomorrow when reservations open, and luckily I have an amazing wife who is peer pressuring me into going because she's right. She's like, you're going to regret it if you don't go. And she was like, you just need to do it. And I'm like, yeah, no, the problem is of course, like if you go by yourself, it's uber expensive. Like it gets cheaper. The more people you shove into a room, but of course it's so expensive. Nobody else wants to go. So still figuring that part of it. I know I told y'all if I go, you are allowed to dress however, like, in character and encourage people to be in character. I'm going as a member of the Pass of the Open Hand, and I'm going to talk trash to all the Jedi. It's going to be so much fun. I, I am sorely tempted, so, you know, let me know if you need to help fill a room. 
Because mm-hmm. I want to be a part of Shwek getting kicked out of Star Wars land. <laughs> It'll be so much fun. And just as people ask me, just feel like, oh, those Jedi, they're abusing the Force, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, the Force should be free. Did you see that? And then maybe I'll take some flowers with me and just hand them to people and say, this is a gift given freely. <laughs> and then I'll hand them one of my tracked like papers like those people used to see. Over on the Disney Plus side, very exciting news announced today. Not officially, but it was confirmed. Uh, Morrison will be on Ahsoka playing Rex. Yay! We're getting wow. Rex. Wow. Um, I, I thought he burned that bridge, but I guess not. Well, they've already shot it, though, so... That's those true. Com- those comments were made after they already shot the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. And the earlier reviews of people that have seen it have said Ahsoka is probably the best show they've done. Like, it's up there with Andor. Better and than Andor? They're saying it's up there with it. And that the show is... How good it is, is the reason they went ahead and gave Filoni a movie. Like, they were like, all right, like, you can do this on your own. It's that good. We trust I you. I feel like he's proved himself already, but okay. Well, but you know. There's a difference between doing cartoons and doing a feature film. A right. $100 million dollar feature film, you know. Yeah, and he had Favreau with Mando. And so, speaking of Mando, this is fun. So there was an announcement that the writer strike has delayed the September start filming of Mandalorian season four. You know, the show season that Lucasfilm hasn't announced yet. (laughs) (laughs) People were like, wait, what? Like, they're like, that's going to be a delayed start. You you guys haven't announced that. Didn't Gilroy shut down Andor? Gilroy has shut down Andor. Um, And I will say Kennedy has come out on the writer's side. And apparently is supporting the Roger strike, which, you know, good for her. Yeah. It is the right thing. Pay your writers, but also I want TV, so pay your writers. It's going to be a long strike. Yeah. It'll be a long strike, yeah. It's going to be a long strike because we're finally going to have to get down to the business of how do the streaming companies make money. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And they don't want you to, and they don't want you to know that. They don't want to. They don't want to open up their books to everybody. What's really going to hurt them too is the Teamsters are on their side this time. And oh, and the actors are going to strike too. Yeah, like the actors are. The actors have proved a strike vote. SAG after has. So you, so SAG could be going on strike too. Do you see ABC did their upfronts and there's not a single scripted show on it? Yeah. Like, you know, I love me some crappy reality television, but. You're about to get a lot of it. It can't be the only thing you watch. Like, what else? Oh, in video game news. So the Ubisoft, the open world Star Wars game, turns out it's way ahead and way more made than anyone thought. It supposedly will be getting a trailer soon for an early 2024 release date. Like, it's it's apparently almost good to go. Which, that's great, because, you know, as I play through sweet, sweet Survivor. I'm like, oh no, it'll be over. <laughs> what will I do now? Uh, speaking of Survivor, Chad, did you see somebody found some of the DLC stuff that they're going to no. put out? Yep. The Darksaber's in there. Oh, like, somebody found the code and they showed him walking around, like flinging it around. I was like, that looks amazing. I want it now. <laughs> like, 
Let's see. And then just on a more somber note, uh, you know, just want to mention the passing of Ray Stevenson, who we have not seen yet in Star Wars, but is coming soon as Balin, <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> and then also Mark uh, Bordeaux passed away, who was a very instrumental part of Star Wars toys. Um, he designed or was the main designer for the Millennium Falcon back in the 80s. And I definitely recommend if you've never watched uh, the Toys That Made Us documentaries that Netflix put out, he's yeah. heavily featured in the Star Wars one. Um, okay. he, was a, he was a big part of all the Kenner stuff and continued to be part of it. Those aren't bad little documentaries. No, I really enjoyed them. I yeah. thought they were really good. Uh, Chad, what's going on in the comics? Darth Vader number 34. Vader has lost control of his powers for some unknown reason, and everyone near him is suffering the consequences. I swear if Sabe takes him out of this, like in some kind of like big emotional scene between the two of them, and she like talks him down or something, I'm I'm done with the book. I'm just done. But yeah, I, Vader has lost his powers. He's 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 all crazy. I mean, I'm a few behind you, but I'm getting to that point too with that Vader book. Like I don't know. Um, we got Darth Vader, black, white, and red, number two. Not much to say about the anthology series. The quality of the stories varies, as you would guess. Um, Jason Aaron's is probably the strongest, but his is the only ongoing. And I have no idea if this is canon, but it's not bad. Uh, and then we have High Republic, number nine and ten. Uh, High Republic phase two ends with a dramatic two-parter, the climax, which we will read again about again in Path of Vengeance. In a few weeks, the series was good, um, got a lot better at the end. Uh, but just like last time, almost uh, impossible to skip if you want to understand all of phase two. But uh, I say a fairly unremarkable book, but it picks up at the end. But that's that's that was it. It was pretty weak, weak, weak. So tonight we're going to be talking about The Mandalorian Season 3, but before we get there, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about Bad Batch Season 2, which may be the most depressing thing Star Wars has ever put out. Whoa, this gets rough. Um, we're not going to go episode by episode, kind of like we'll do with The Mandalorian. You know, there's roughly i think there's 16 episodes of this show um and I, I mean i guess the first thing to talk about with this season of the bad batch the structure of this season was really odd it it would kind of jump between a story with our main bad batch kind of doing missions and then it would kind of cut over to what Crosshair was doing. And then you get some weird standalone episode that wasn't very good. And it wasn't until probably episode nine-ish, maybe 10, um, when Tech and Omega get separated, that it all kind of came together. Um but yeah, I mean, what did y'all think of the structure of this season versus the previous season where it was more just a single storyline? 
I kind of thought there was a little bit of there were there were a couple of episodes that I really would qualify as filler episodes this season. Um, where we didn't really have that in the first season. There's the, like, I liked the Indiana Jones episode, but I don't think it serves any real purpose in the narrative. I was trying to go back and I was like, well, maybe they were trying to get some chemistry between Fee and Tech in that episode. But I was like, I don't really remember anything that stood out that really advanced the story in that one. Um, But other than that, like I said, I, I really like what they were doing with Crosshair, but it was jumping around quite a bit. Yeah, the the standalones. You had the Indiana Jones. You had the Riot Race episode, which was, I, I don't know why they did that. I mean, I think they were trying to give us some more tech. You know, tech was kind of the underused character in the first season. It's gonna be real underused from now on. Yeah, and having tech and Echo, they kind of, they were so similar, and so I think they were trying to kind of establish tech. You know, before obviously he gets killed. But yeah, the standalones early on, I just didn't really get. I I don't know. I think those are in. I think those are in the spirit of shows like this, though. In Clone Wars and Rebels, right? They have plenty of standalone episodes in in the the this. You know, I would consider this show a descendant of those shows, right? Specifically, a descendant of the Clone Wars. Yeah, and I, I think that is what they were going for. I think with just less episodes and the fact that they knew, like, I mean, this show has always been planned for three seasons. And so. Well, and the difference, too, is it's very much serialized. The Clone Wars, it was all over the place. Right. Right. And it could have standalones because who knows when the hell they take place because the episodes took place all over the place. Yeah. And the Clone Wars did like a lot of like short arcs where they do three episodes, but there were, there weren't like really like season long narratives that ever took place. I think that it would have been more emotionally impactful when it went from being the dad batch to being the sad batch. If, if it had followed a linear story, because when stuff started getting real, I had to stop for a minute and be like, wait, we came, where were we last week? Oh, no, we were not here last week. What is happening? And this has suddenly got real sad. Speaking of, I do want to talk about a couple of episodes specifically. You know, after our first two episodes where we had, where they, you know, stole the Imperial stuff and uh, met Romar and got away. And uh, Rampart, we kind of get Rampart back and he's hiding it. We cut to the first Crosshair episode the crosshair episodes are all depressing. Uh-huh. So the first one we get crosshair and commander Cody and space Vietnam Memorial, <laughs> <laughs> like, which has been on clone wars before. Not all depressing like this. Like, Whoa, like that crosshair Cody episode where Cody kind of realizes that, Hey, guess what? Things aren't on the up and up with the empire. <laughs> that one was rough. Like, the whole season's yeah but yeah but you're right it is it was especially where cody's like trying to make a deal with them and he's like yeah you know we're working together we're with the republic now we're gonna make peace and then crosshair's like nope and (laughs) shoots him that grand guy's like yeah go ahead and kill him and crosshair does it yeah i thought that one was that was the first time this season i was like they're gonna get real dark here um and we get to see him desert uh, then we do some riot. Yeah, that's a new that's a new story for Cody, right? We didn't know that. Yeah, I, I was actually happy to see Cody because 
you know, I mean, God, they're giving everybody else their own storylines. So it would have been just another character that died off screen that you didn't get to see happen. So I, I appreciate knowing what happened to Cody and that, you know. Well, and this season does a great job of bringing back a whole bunch of people and kind of letting you know where they are and introducing some ones we had never met before. Cause we get Rex, we get Cody. Uh, who else do we get? Hauser, uh, Gregor, like you get a lot and you get Senator Chuchi who was, um, we saw in rebels later. I liked what this season did to humanize, um, the clones because we really haven't seen a lot of, post order 66 clones and it's really hard to be empathetic towards those characters after you know what happens there even though we know that they were implanted um but they having them now show remorse and start to understand that they're working in this machine and they're not appreciated and we have a we have a civil rights battle going on with you know the the human uh, quality of clones in this season, so there's a there's a lot going on there. It's it's a it's a real deep dive into that that I, we haven't really seen before, at least not in this medium. Um, so moving through it, then we get stupid riot race and Indiana Jones. Um, <laughs> and then we're fine episode. Wait, they're fine. Yeah, they're the the Indiana Jones episode was amusing. I just want more Ben Schwartz in Star Wars. Can can we get that character back? The next kind of character we get introduced to later in episode 11, maybe the new, maybe most evil character we've ever met. And it's old Dr. Hemlock, who is voiced by a McPoyle from Always Sunny in <laughs> Philadelphia. Oh, McPoyle. <laughs> like, it took me a minute to realize whose voice it was. And then I couldn't help but think about that. And I was like, well, I bet he's drinking milk right now. <laughs> he recognized it instantly and pictured him wearing a bathrobe. Drinking some milk. <laughs> um, and so he's running the Mount Tannis um, Imperial facility. And just how he like uses for Nalase and he brings Lamasu over and he's like, huh, you going to cooperate? And then crappy Lama Sue immediately sells him out <laughs> tells him about Amiga after he's been like torturing people. Um, and he's got a Zillow beast, which is crazy. I was glad to see. Yeah. yeah that's a big Zillow deal. Beast. Yeah. They, they've, they've, they've cloned a Zillow beast. Yeah. Which, which is interesting. Cause they, they remember at the very end of when they killed the Zillow beast the first time they even said, you know, take it away. The emperor's got some interest in this thing. Mm-hmm. So it was, it's glad it was good to finally see a payoff to that, to that moment. The next big story point I want to talk about is episode 12, which was the outpost where I was pretty sure we were close to getting a animated suicide. Oh, is that, <laughs> yeah. is that the other crosshair one that's upsetting? So that's where crosshair, you know, goes and he meets Mayday. Who's the sad clone that's been, you know, guarding this cargo and then Nolan, the crappy young Imperial officer, shows up with Crosshair and takes over and sends him out to get it. And Crosshair realizes the Empire does not care about you. I mean, just that scene where, like, you know, Mayday's, he's dragged Mayday's body back after he's died helping save him. I really thought Crosshair was going to kill himself in the snow. Yeah. I don't think they would do that. Well, I'd like to think they wouldn't, but I like watched was watching it. I was like, "Is this about to happen?" Because he got the gun out, and I was like, "Oh no!" But no, because it's a kids' show. 
He just shoots an imperial officer. <laughs> well, yeah. to be fair, there there are plenty of uh, suicides in this season, just not for our heroes. And now, when you know we get where Crosshair is taking Mount Tannis, um, Tannis to by the Imperials and we meet Amiri Carr who, all right, come on. Did anybody not realize that she was a clone too? I mean, I thought it was the same voice actress. <laughs> it, it is. Um, is it? Okay. I think it is. They, they weren't really trying to hide that. No. Uh, after that, we get the Pabu where they go and they get to live on the planet for a little while. Um, now I thought that was a good, kind of break kind of side thing to show them like, Hey, here's where you could be. Yeah. Here's the life you could have if you weren't out here running around for Sid, you know, almost seeing an entire city die the moment that you arrive because of a once in a thousand generations, uh, <laughs> water swell. It's star Wars. It's nothing if, <laughs> but coincidences. But yeah. I don't know that they could have that life. Cause can they, can they actually stop being soldiers? I mean, Hunter and Wrecker were ready to do it. And yeah. even when you get to the end, like, they're kind of like, yeah, we're done. Like, this is pointless. We're going back. I wouldn't be surprised if that's how the series ends. That is my guess. Is that we're... Is with, with, with some kind of retirement. Yeah, but I think it's just going to be Omega and one of them. I think everybody's going to die eventually. Be Omega and what, Hunter? Leftover. A wrecker. I think wrecker. wrecker. I think Hunter will die. It's more uh, more upsetting. It's like killing a puppy. Who's going to go ha all the time if they kill Wrecker? <laughs> oh, you know, we did skip two that I wanted to talk about. So the episode where Sid sends them to retrieve the Ipsum, the energy, and we get the tech and Omega stuff. I thought that was really well done. Um, and we got some more tech characterization and, you know, went to the line, didn't say it or anything, but, you know, basically identified tech as having, you know, autism or neurodivergent or whatever you want to say. Um, yeah. I thought that was really well done. Of course, it, just in time to kill him off. Uh, yeah, and then when that happened, I was like, "And you're a goner." <laughs> like he's he's starting. The girl likes him. He's expressing his feelings. You are not much longer for the world. Um, and then we kind of go through um, towards the end of the season. Um, we get some more about. I did think it was really good where we got the advanced science division and we're kind of introduced to who's kind of running some of this cloning stuff at Tantus um, with Hemlock. And then you've got the, I guess, panel um, that's got Tarkin. We got a little, little Krennic. He wasn't wearing a cape, but it was Krennic. Well, it's Krennic. Uh, yep. boy. A couple other guys in there too. A couple other cameos. In yeah. There. He hadn't earned his cape yet. The man loves a cape. And then I also like to afford that um, before we get to the end. Uh, Chichu, you know, they are able to recover the destruction videos of Kamino. And they think this is like a haha gotcha moment for the Emperor. 
and then she sheaves it up <laughs> and yeah. like completely turns it and is like, see, I told you we got to get our new stormtroopers and we got to do all this stuff. And it was a real, I thought it was a really good characterization of him. And that was in McDermott too. So mm-hmm. I was, I was very happy to hear his voice. It's, it's, it's always a good time when he shows up somewhere. I also think like, I think it's cute that they think that things like that are going to matter. That, that, that they're, they're still thinking like, gee, I wonder, it's making me think of the real world. So it makes me sad, but they're, 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 they're they're still naive enough to think that things like that are going to make a dent in the emperor's power, Uh you know, that anyone's going to care about that. People are going to go scandalous, you know, and, Scandalous doesn't exist anymore. Oh, and it's kind of like the same themes that were in Battle Scars or in Jedi Survivor, where Cal and then we're kind of realizing, like, what are we doing? Like, none of this matters. Um, yeah. And we got. He's too powerful. Yeah. And we got to see more of Crosshair <laughs> being interrogated by Dr. Hemlock. And I just brought that up because it was a really good bit of carryover that if you look, the machine they have him hooked up with is the same machine you will see in the Mandalorian that they use on Pershing. So yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like there was a lot of like good little parallels somewhat to some of the Mandalorian stuff, um, which makes me think heir to the empire is definitely going to be all about cloning. That seems to be where all this is going. And then we got to our final of the season where we got to go to Eridu. Um, Do we know Tarkin had built his base on top of the black plateau? On top of the Carrion carrion spike? Mm -hmm. Did we know that Uh, before? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. That wasn't in the book. Um, but yeah, he's on top of the carry-on spike and we get to see Saw Gerrera, Saw Gerrera it up and mess up somebody's plans. <laughs> that Saw Gerrera, he's not a good rebel. <laughs> like, <laughs> if he wasn't there, they like totally would have won and everybody would have lived. But instead, no, Tech bites it. <laughs> um, yeah. That last episode is horribly depressing. Like, you get Tech dead... And you're like, oh, that's terrible. And they escape. And then they get back. And then Sid sells them right out. Yeah. And then Sid sells them out. Son of a bitch. Carla, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I, they played that Sid selling out scene so good. Because you can tell, like, she kind of regrets it and feels bad about it. And then, yeah, they capture Amiga. Well, Echo and Easy, Easy save Hunter and Wrecker. And Amiga gets captured where we shockingly find out that Amiri is her sister. And she's left in a cell with uh, with Crosshair. Yeah. Maybe right. that's who the end is. That That's the uber-depressing ending to the show, is oh. Crosshair and Amiga being yeah. the only ones that survive on Pebu, just <laughs> feeling bad about things. Just regretting all their choices. I was very surprised at the ending. I think everybody was kind of ready for, like, you know, a showdown at Mount Tandis that they were going to rescue Crosshair, but nope, we got the Empire Strikes Back ending of everything sucks. Well, I mean, they're aiming for three seasons. Yeah. So this is the second act. Fitting. I I have to ask the question, and it's probably true. But do we we're we're, we're sure Tech is dead? No, I'm not sure Tech is dead. I'm sure Tech is dead. Would 
we didn't see a body and they brought in the goggles and I don't know. I've just seen too many characters die, but not. When he brought in the goggles, that made me think maybe he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that too, but then it just, I don't know. It just seems like we've been there, done that. It's less impactful. I hope he he is. But I, I, I have a feeling we're getting like cyborg tech next season. Ooh, Robotech? Yeah, possible. Robotech. Robotech. Maybe some kids on scooters are going to drive up and save him. Ooh. <laughs> and some Robotech. I hope he's dead. I mean, I don't hope he's dead, but yeah. story-wise, like... <laughs> I hope he's dead. <laughs> I, th- I think it cheapens it a little bit. If, it does. I agree. Well, I feel I the same way I do with, you know, Maul and, and Fett, and when a character dies, I'm, I am I prefer to, for them to stay that way, but I'm also, I'm so jaded at this point that I don't, I don't believe it when any character's gone. Uh, they earned it with Maul. He... Yeah, they earned it back. Yeah, yeah they got it back. But Tech, yeah, I want him dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> sounds so ruthless. Overall, though, I mean, I I really like this season. I mean, there were a couple of hits or miss, especially early on. But once it really got going, like just the exploration of how the Empire, how the Emperor did what he did, was really well done. That's the stuff I really like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you and said, Ryan, you said this a while back that like we would ha- maybe have to admit that the Bad Batch is best when the Bad Batch isn't on it. Yep. And that's kind of true. Like the coolest episodes were the ones that were about the Empire and what's going on with the Empire and with with Crosshair and with the tech, with the cloning and all that stuff. Like that was some of the best stuff. And that didn't really have much to do with the Bad Batch themselves. I yeah. appreciate that they didn't make Omega like this magical force child or have any special significance. Like at the end of the first season, you kind of thought like, what's up with her? What are they going to do with her? What's she going to turn out to actually be? But, but she's just a kid who's a clone. And I kind of knew this was happening from the start because we know how Dave Filoni operates, but I knew as annoyed as I was for the first half of the first season with her, I was like, I'm going to like her at like by midway through the second season, right? That's the way this is going to happen. That's that's the Filoni method. <laughs> yeah. As a return to, hey, screw you, Hasbro. Hasbro's putting out that figure of, uh, it's like a rebel soldier and it comes with the different faces like the Hoth one did. And so he is one of the ones, obviously this is a figure that everybody's going to want. But Hasbro, in their infinite wisdom, was like, yeah, we know we're doing a lot of pre-orders, and that's hurting people. So we're not going to put this on pre-order. It's just going to come out. Good luck. Anyway, screw you, Hasbro. Yeah, I don't know how this ends. I mean, I imagine we'll get some sort of battle for Mount Tannis. I wonder how much it's going to kind of dovetail into the Mandalorian. Because we've seen the the Mount Tannis cloners are the ones from season one. Um, yeah. Pershing right, is yes. one of them. And so I don't know if we're going to see some of that, how much we're going to see about, you know, what we know is now operation Phoenix or where they're going to go. But it, I mean, the show's got to have a depressing ending. So we'll see. You have removed your helmet. What's worse, you did so of your own free will, 
You are no longer Mandalorian. The creed teaches us of redemption. Redemption is no longer possible since the destruction of our homeworld. But what if the mines of Mandalore still exist? So for our main course, we're here to talk about the season of television known as The Mandalorian Season 3. We're just going to go an episode at a time. I'm going to give a little recap, and then we'll just talk about our thoughts about each individual episode and then about the season. It'll be, it'll be fun. Chapter 17, The Apostate. Din saves the Mandalorian covert from a giant sea creature, but is still dissed by the armorer and told the only way to get clean after removing his helmet is to bathe in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> I mean... The living waters of Mandalore. Every time. I think about it every time. All right, yep. <laughs> that ain't Lake Minnetonka. Din and Grogu head to Navarro where they meet up with Grief. There's a run-in with some pirates. Din starts some real weird quest to resurrect IG-11, fights the pirates, then travels to Kelevala where he finds Bo-Katan chilling on her throne. And he tells her he's headed to Mandalore to prove that it's not poisoned. Noel, what do you think about this IG-11 stuff? <laughs> um... Yeah, um, so I just want to start off right now and, and say that there is no way that they thought that Grogu was going to be in this season when they started writing it, um, or at least when they started uh, coming up with concepts for it, because it's painfully obvious that he's just, this whole thing is just uh, kind of shoehorned in to give him something to do later on in the season. Yes. I agree with that. I agree with me that, that and we'll, we'll we'll break it down as we go through. Grogu has very little to do this season. Mm-hmm. He he's he's fairly inconsequential to it. Yep. I thought it was a weaker first episode. I think if you release one and two together, it would have been better. Yes. But as a first episode, it didn't have me real pumped for the season. And the first episode last year had him kill a crate dragon. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this first episode was what, like 23 minutes. It was one of the shortest ones of the season. And it just, I was, I was whelmed. Um, that's the word <laughs> yeah. I used for it. And Bo-Katan seemed very sad. And that's what I took away from it. I like the, I like the, the pirate guy, the, the, the green mossy pirate. Guy. Yes. He looks like a uh, Pizza the Hut. <laughs> oh, see, I was thinking of uh, Stephen King and uh... <laughs> oh, oh, it's yeah. not Tales from the Dark Side. It's it's Tales one from like the Crypt. Yes. Yeah, I wore that as a Halloween costume one year to keep nice. Sound. Of course, you did. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know the pirate, the one which is I think it's uh, Vex is maybe his name. The pirate, Vane. Gorian Vane. Gorian Shard isn't is is he the one? That's that's the lead pirate. Yeah, that's the Mosque guy. Vane, his like uh, uh, lieutenant. Yeah, Vane. The one that they encounter on the streets. Yeah, he's coming back. Like I think he is in skeleton crew. Oh, okay. So I think that's kind of why they did it. He's like a Nikto, right? Yeah. You know, and again, we got a weird time jump. Like this show, time jumps like nobody's business, and doesn't really address it. Like clearly. What they said? How many two years have gone by? Is that two what they years. said? And they don't know Navarro. it. Yeah, and they've just been, I guess, doing bounties. I don't know what they've been doing. I had yeah, the main, the main, the main th- way to tell the time has gone 
by is the evolution of Navarro. Mm-hmm. That is what Favreau uses as the benchmark for you to measure time. Well, if he's doing bounties, he's the... he ain't bringing him in alive in that ship. <laughs> no. No, we talked about that before. What a terrible choice for a bounty hunting ship. I mean, he just cuts their heads off now and throws them in the back. <laughs> Put that dome as for play, play with this, Grogu. Mm-hmm. I was really happy to see the Anzellians, though. I like them. If oh, the Babu Fritz. Yeah, mm-hmm. If, you know, what's it called? Rise of Skywalker gave us anything. It's Babu Frick and his friends. <laughs> like, I like them. I think they're funny. I just thought I thought it was a weird choice to have him just decide. OK, yes, yeah, the setup's fine. He's got to go bathe in the living waters to get his groove back. That's fine. But his whole quest to resurrect IG-88 just felt or IG-11. Sorry. Felt like forced a desperate attempt to bring back an old character. Yeah. <laughs> like I was like, it doesn't, it doesn't add anything here. It's like he, his story was told. Like, I know you want, you just want to get Taika back. Like, is that what this is? I don't, I don't know what, it, what's going on, but it felt, I don't know. It, it felt out of the blue even, you know, it was like, we must get IG 11 to help us. Like, really? Yeah. And, and then when you find out what he needs him for, it's like, well, couldn't any droid do that? Well, any droid is going to. Exactly. Hey, Cara Dune, you've been replaced by an assassin droid, a malfunctioning assassin <laughs> droid. They do also write off Cara Dune in this episode. She yeah. died on the way back to her home planet. <laughs> just Unfortunately, like she did not die on the way to her home planet. She just got recruited by the New Republic in a not so subtle hand wave moment. Um, but you mentioned it running into the second one, maybe being a better uh, opening salvo to episodes. So let's talk about the second episode and we can kind of fold them all in as we go. Um, episode chapter 18, the minds of Mandalore um, Mando and Grogu head to Tatooine where Amy Sidaris convinces them to take R five D four with them instead of IG 88, which really doesn't feel like a fair substitute. They fly to Mandalore and where entering the atmosphere is hella tricky. Once on and under the ground, they are attacked by humanoid creatures called Amalites, who fight off, who Jin fights off with the Darksaber. Din Jin then gets captured by some spider-looking thing and sends Grogu to get to Bo-Katan. Grogu somehow flies the ship to Kalevala and convinces Kreese to help. After rescuing him, they visit the Living Waters, where Din is pulled underwater by something, and Bo has to go help him. And on her way back up, Bo sees a real-life criffing mythosaur, which I admit was pretty badass. Uh, Beth, what did you think of the mythosaur? I wanted to see a payoff for the mythosaur because uh, this this whole season is steeped in Mandalore. And, and that's the one part of Mandalore I walked away from this season feeling like I didn't get. Because I got every damn thing else you could think of with Mandalore. I just wanted to see more of the mythosaur and see it actually do something. I, I, maybe that's coming. I don't know. I don't know that we're going back to Mandalore in the future. Don't worry. Boba Fett's going to ride it in the next season. Ugh. See, we thought Bo-Katan was going to ride it this season. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was, it was cool seeing a mythosaur. It didn't. I mean, I guess the payoff for it is later that this is where Bo-Katan kind of starts to maybe Be buy again. into it. But that's never super clear. Um, I think it is. I think it, it starts Bo's... Um spiritual awakening almost 
like where she starts to believe in yeah or, old Mandalorian myths again. Yeah, yeah, and maybe not that she's a believer of the watch, but maybe that she doesn't think of them as as crazy because yeah, guess what? There is a mythosaur below the living waters. Right, right, and that and at the myths, the people, you know, yeah. the the stories that the people tell each other, the the um. Uh, the the old ways that they're holding on to are not entirely false. Yeah. They're not entirely. So made. here's my question: Are we just is she just pretending like Satine didn't ever exist? Because she talks about her father giving his life for Mandalore. Um, hello, your sister. Well, she does say though when they're walking down the hall, she mentions like we. Some like my family, like we knew Jedi or something like that. I mean, she doesn't say Satine. I mean, she doesn't come out and say, "Yeah, my sister had a baby with a Jedi." We don't talk yeah, about my him. my nephew is half Jedi. His name's his name's Corky. Yeah. Where's Corky? We, we, we don't, don't know, know where he is. <laughs> He's hanging out with uh, Jason Sandola somewhere. <laughs> I mean, she kind of mentioned it. All right, so it is odd they have not mentioned Satine on the show with all the both at all. Well, so this is the first one where I started thinking, does this show have, I mean, it's not as much meaning, but like, it almost feels like you need to know the Clone Wars and Rebels for some of this, like to really get what's happening. I can't imagine watching it and not really understanding what's happening. Noel, have you watched all Clone Wars and Rebels? Yes. Okay, so you already knew about Bo-Katan. Yeah, so I know stuff. about Bo-Katan. Okay. I mean, it's it's been a little while since I watched them, so I had to go back and refresh myself on a couple things. Uh, but yeah, just the, the general Mandalorian Clone Wars era lore I'm, I'm pretty up to speed on. I was just wondering, because we're wondering if anybody else... Because I know people that haven't that watched the show, and I, and I don't think it's really bothered them that much, although the season has not been as well-received, so maybe it did bother them. And, and that's just one of the reasons why. Yeah, I think it is. Lost. I, I don't know that they get lost. I think it just, it's such a part of a bigger story that it makes you more invested if you know where Bo-Katan is from and why she cares so much about the Darksaber and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you get more out of it, I think, from knowing that. But I don't know if it's a prerequisite. If I were wa- if I were watching this, um, you know, just completely ignorant of all that i think i'd probably be fine is it possible though that some of the lukewarm response to the show to the season is the fact that the din and grogu stuff didn't really go anywhere and all the cool stuff was the bo-katan mandalorian stuff and if people don't have as much of a emotional connection to that stuff maybe the season seems off to them it doesn't seem right to them because they don't have what they came to see. Well, yeah. If people got involved in the show because of baby Yoda and suddenly there's no damn baby Yoda anywhere to be seen. I, I mean, I can kind of get it. I, yeah, I mo- personally don't get it, but you know, most I can of the people who I know, like my coworkers who watch the Mandalorian, that's the draw for them. So yeah, they're, they're the, they're the reason why they brought him back after, uh, you know, that ending of season two, and then all of a sudden, if you didn't watch Book of Boba Fett, you're like, wait, why is he back? Yeah, I mean, we had that problem with Book of Boba Fett when it happened. Um, that they were bringing him back too soon anyway. I mean, I don't think there was ever any doubt that they would reunite, but the, to do it so quickly just seemed... 
No, I think that the plan was probably to have this season be almost like free of him. Maybe he, maybe they reunite at the end of this season or something like that, but they got cold feet. uh, Oh yeah. I think somebody at Disney was like, Oh no, that's our cash cow. I think, I also, I think Favreau, Favreau got cold feet too, because he, he pulls this, he pulled it off right in the middle of book of Boba Fett when it had no right to be there, you know? So, I mean, it, it upset Tamura Morrison, as we found out. Yeah. <laughs> Tamura Morrison didn't like that they stopped his show to do Mandalorian for a couple episodes. So, anyway, that's that's all. Let's let's, let's, let's move on. Well, I do want to talk about one more thing for episode two. Well, two things for us. Sure. Did anybody else think that was going to be General Grievous, or was it just me? <laughs> the cyborg <laughs> thing? Like, oh, no, I didn't. Well, when they zoomed that. in on the eye, I was like, that's General Grievous's eye. Surely they are not <laughs> doing this. But thankfully they didn't. But no. obviously the biggest thing in this episode was past the dark saber. Like, boy, the internet caught on to that real fast. Yeah. <laughs> and- so, so was that spider cyborg the ruler of Mandalore for for a few minutes? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> and and just my my one thing about this episode: did it need to be R five D four? No, our, it did not. It do, should do not. We, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk more about R five D four later. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I have a I have a, I have a bigger complaint about him. Later. I, I, when I saw, I was like, "Oh, cool, it's an R five droid." And then they said the name, and I was like, "No, they're not doing this, are they?" <laughs> He's been there though. He's been yeah, there he in Amy Sedaris's shop the whole time. Did, have they mentioned him by name though before that episode? They've called him. They've called him R five, yeah. but I don't know if they've said the full name or not. I'm not sure, but. Uh, uh, later, later on, I have a problem with R five, and we'll get to that. Um, chapter nineteen: The Convert. After shaking some suspiciously placed Tie Fighters, Bo and Din head back to the Mandalorian covert, where the armorer agrees that Din has been cleansed and lets him back into the gang. Bo Katan decides to join too, with a firm "This is the way." Meanwhile, on Coruscant, we follow Imperial cloning scientist Pershing as he attempts to assimilate into normal life through the New Republic's amnesty program. He gets tricked by a fellow convert, who turns out to be a spy for Gideon, spoilers, who sets him up and gets him caught for intending to do something he's not supposed to do, and he is tortured like Wesley from The Princess Bride. So, Ryan, what did you think about our little excursion into Coruscant? Oh, you know, I loved it. (laughs) That's the stuff I like. Like, I would watch a whole show about that. Because, like we just say, it's kind of Bad Batch-esque, where we're seeing what the Emperor... Well, we saw what the Empire did, and now we get to see what the New Republic did. Um, yep, New Republic knocking it out of the park again with great decisions. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Like, I just don't understand. Like, okay, I get you're going to take some of the Imperials' brightest minds and... Uh, convert them back i guess you know we've seen this play out in history but then they just kind of let them hang out (laughs) like it worked out well after world war ii but then you just let them like hang out at the apartment complex like nothing bad is gonna happen (laughs) come on guys with all of them together there's no way that there's gonna be any conspiracy at all happening Mm -hmm. no they'll they'll police themselves it's you know they said they wouldn't do it again well, and I like poor Pershing. He like presents this like amazing presentation to all these scientists. It's like, look at all this sweet genetic stuff I can do. And everybody's like, yay. And then they're like, and back to the cargo computer with you. Like, yeah. <laughs> come on, guys. 
they're not really using their resources mm-hmm. to the best of their ability. That's true. I love this episode, and I actually kind of wish that it didn't have the tacked on beginning and the end with the Mandalorian and Bo-Katan. Because I think if this just stood alone as its own kind of excur- excursion without tying it in to right. the regular story, I think it would have. I think it would have been a little bit more powerful. Because I think that's probably what drove people crazy was that they start off with this battle with the Mandalorian and all of a sudden now you're on Coruscant with these characters that we have to go pull up our phones and see if we can remember who they are from season one. Yeah, I can, I can see that. And they did get me on the Star Destroyer. I fully expected that it was going to be Gideon's people that came and picked him up. I was not expecting the new Republic twist they did. Um, and then a little happy wine mind wiping, you know, New Republic just committing some war crimes. It's fine. It's fine when they do it, Schweck. Yeah, they're not mind wiping. They say we're just making them happier, basically. <laughs> it's called electroshock. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> they are performing electroshock therapy. What did you now? I, I well, I agree with all of what you said about that stuff. I thought it was really good. Um. What did you feel about Bo-Katan joining the covert? I didn't buy it. it. Yeah. I don't know if it was too early. And, I mean, I don't know if she was... Well, it's been years. Yeah. Right? If we, if we, It has been years, technically, since we last saw and her. And I think that's... Yeah, I think that hurts from the time jump. Because she's been sitting on... We don't see that she's been sitting on that throne for two years, casually lounging about on her own. Um, <laughs> yeah. With a couple with of droids. nobody else around. Not a soul. Just some droids. Yeah. And this, did, this was the, the first one I kind of started to think, like, is the armor really on the up and up? That's what I thought. I was, I was wondering if she was setting her up at that mm-hmm. point well it's almost like Bo-Katan when during the this is the way stuff she, she's almost got this tilt of her head like fucking death watch god damn it um so for her to join up with them so easily I was just like wait is, is she playing a long con who's playing a long con here because I didn't buy that Bo-Katan was joining up with them for a second see I did because you know, we're coming off of her seeing the mythosaur, and I think she's having she is having a crisis of faith. She is having a um, a spiritual reawakening, and and I think that she's she, she when we see her when when Din goes and visits her on Kelavala, and she's sitting in the throne, she's given up, right? She's completely given up on her quest, and she's decided that it's okay. She's okay to be alone. She doesn't even have Casca and Axe with her, right? She's She's alone. And so I think by when she gets to the covert, I think she joins because she doesn't want to be alone anymore. Because here are some fellow Mandalorians and, and you know, and, and, you know, she probably also doesn't take it that seriously. She could take, she can just leave, you know, if she wants to. Um, but I don't know. I kind of, I kind of bought it in, in the sense that she's, she had given up, but seeing the mythosaur has kind of reawakened something inside of her. And and here are some Mandalorians that she can kind of team up with, you know, and 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 I don't know. So 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 it didn't it didn't seem as abrupt to me. I, I thought like I said, I think the Mythosaur sighting is a much bigger deal for her character going forward. Chapter twenty, the Foundling. Yet another monster attacks the Mandalorian covert. They really need a new place to live, but we'll find but 
Luckily, they will find one. And flies away with one of their children, Ragnar, son of Paz Vizsla. Bo-Katan leads a group of Mandos to rescue the child from this giant raptor-like thing. And after the rescue, Bo-Katan is treated like a hero, having done one of the most important things in the Creed, defending a foundling. Bo-Katan continues to earn the trust of the armorer and even asks the old grump what it would mean if she saw a real-life mythosaur. All she gets in response is a nice, this is the way. This one kind of stood alone a little bit with the adventure to find the foundling. Well, and we get the Grogu flashbacks. That was like... Oh, this has the Grogu yeah. flashbacks. Yeah, Sorry, I, forgot that. That. I forgot that. That's the important part. Yeah. So This is the one with the flashbacks to how Grogu was rescued from the Jedi Temple. By Jar Jar. By Jar Jar, my best yeah. star of Jedi Temple Adventures. <laughs> which, yeah. which is weird that apparently Jedi Temple Adventures may be in canon now. At so I guess what's his character's name? It's uh, Keller and Beck. Keller and Beck. Keller and yeah. Beck. Keller and Beck. Yeah. yeah. I. All right. I'm glad Ahmad Best is back. I think that was great for him. Yes. Awesome. But, wow. There was a lot of build up for who had saved Grogu and who had done all this, and then that's what it was. It's this guy you've never heard of. There were freaking Barris Ofrits like signals in that hallway. So everybody thought she was going to have something to do with it or yeah. somebody with Barris. It was weird that that's all it was, but I mean, it's good. They answered it um, with Grogu though. This one had something that would have made me really interested in Grogu and something I wish they would have done. But you know, in the beginning when they're teaching Grogu how to fight and he's fighting a uh, little Ragnar Vizsla and he uses his force powers to hurt somebody like that is what I want to see the story of Grogu. Like you just took him away from old Luke who could actually train him. And now you have an insanely powerful force user who's not being trained how to use it responsibly at all. He's encouraged to use it irresponsibly. Yeah. Like that's a good story. And I'd be all about seeing that with Grogu and they just kind of leave it on the table. Of him kind of dr- almost drifting to the dark side a little bit or toying with the dark side. Yeah. I, I'm surprised you're not a little more fixated on who was helping Keller and Beck save Grogu. Because that was clearly some of Padme's boys. It sure was. Some little Naboo armed forces. <laughs> um, which I mean. That's very confusing to me. Yeah. And I, I would have liked to have known why they were there. Who sent them. So I thought about that. And I. My guess on the timeline is knowing Padme and her character, Padme is not just going to stand on the balcony and cry. <laughs> like, <laughs> she did. She's going to do. She does a lot of. She, she does a lot of crying. She's going to do something. Like, so I'm sure she like called her people. Like, hey, uh, why don't you go check out what's going on? The judge table is clearly on fire. Like, hey y'all, wrong. my face is a mess. I can't go anywhere right now because I'm crying. Um, you go check out the temple. Noel, what did you think about seeing Ahmed best? Uh, I, uh, you know, I like seeing him back. I think, you know, we we got we got our Ahmed best redemption arc uh, now complete. So, um, you know, pe- people will warm up to him again uh, in the world of Star Wars. Um, but yeah, it's, I I like seeing the scene. Uh, it does feel a little out of place, especially considering you don't see a lot of follow up to this because, again, Grogu kind of wedged into this uh, season. Um, I think yeah. it also. I think it almost might have been better utilized. Well, th- not that it's great that they put these episodes into the book of Boba Fett, but 
when he's training with Luke, maybe we get some more flashbacks about him at that time, uh, rather than kind of sh- yeah. shoehorning it in here. But it, also, it, it makes me think. To, it didn't. I was going to say that just just think of that just makes me think of like how terrible of a Jedi uh, teacher Luke really is because he just is like, all right, go back to your dad. <laughs> and yeah, well, we discussed that. <laughs> we were not fans of that. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it also kind of plays into, you know, later on, he's just he's just going to kill Kylo Ren. So this one also brings up later. Where did those raptors go? Like they're like, these are foundlings, too. Oh, that's right. They bring home the baby. Yeah, we never then... see them again. Like, did they take them from space Australia to Mandalore with them? Like, well, yeah. Or not... did they take them to Navarro? Someone's yeah. got to eat the Morlocks for him. Yeah. Where's those raptor things? I thought we were going to see them ride that too. Raptors and mythosaurs and. Yeah. Get some beast riding. Throw in a here. Rancor back in there. Why not? <laughs> Star Wars has got tons of beast riding. Uh, playing Jedi survivor right now. Tons of beast riding. You get they they have these things in Jedi Survivor that are kind of like the the things in the Dark Crystal with the long legs. That's exactly what I thought of when I saw them. It's like they ripped yeah, that exactly off like the Dark Crystal. The Landstriders from the Dark Crystal, they absolutely are. Chapter twenty one, the pirate. I like this one. The pirate king Gordian Shard attacks Navarro, and Grief calls out for help. He has no way because he has no way to defend his city from these thugs. The plea comes to the ears of New Republic beat cop slash X wing pilot Carson Tava. Shout out to the a, a Zeb Aurelius cameo in that scene. Carson goes to Coruscant to get help, but his pleas fall on deaf ears since Navarro is so far has so far refused to join the New Republic. Man, the New Republic sucks. Tava then heads to the Mandalorian covert, which he finds due to the treachery of R5-D4, whom he said he served in the war with. And the boy, do I have a problem with that? But either way, he asks the Mandos for help. And Din convinces the armorer that they should all go to help Navarro. The Mandos come to the rescue and tear through the pirate in his ship, freeing the people below. The covert is offered a new home on Navarro as a reward. The armorer makes Bo-Katan take her helmet off. Wait, that's not the way. And basically tells her that if we're going to retake Mandalore, we need you to be in charge. I have no problem with it being R5-D4 stuck in Amy Sedaris' garage. Because the whole point to me is that R5 has been on Tatooine for a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's been there since the Jawas dropped him. You know, since since the some someone bought him from the Jawas after he went to Owen and Brew's farm. But the fact that he left and served in the Alliance made no sense to me. I thought the whole idea is that he was like a remnant. He's he's a Tatooine droid. He should stay on Tatooine. It just I thought that was a really cheesy way for him to find out where they were hiding. People find each other way too easily in this show. <laughs> there's a line in episode three where they they're like they've mentioned there's a trillion people living on Coruscant, and it makes me think, man, there sure are a lot of people, but we keep running into the same twelve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, was there another farm boy who bought our droid from the Jawas and then went and fought the Empire? Like, come on, guys. Yeah, that's yeah. They sold it to the Dark Lighters across the street. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like it just it felt a little cheesy, but but I thought the sh- the battle with the pirates was awesome. I thought when the Mandalorian showed up to fight the pirates, I thought it was really cool. What I wish they hadn't done is shoehorn Tim Meadows in there, but that is the least of my guest star problems. Oh of this yeah, 
That was just, that was like, they were just warming you up for the next episode. He just completely took me out of it. Now, I, I don't have anything against Tim Meadows. I like Tim Meadows, but I kept thinking of Mean Girls the whole time he yep. was talking. That's the whole thing I pictured the whole time. I kept waiting for him to be like, and my nephew, Amphony, which makes me just as angry, is that my sister named him Amphony. God, I, I was that. waiting for them to <laughs> offer him some Cavassier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this episode. So here's the thing again. All right. So the armor, when she tells him to, uh, when she tells Bo-Katan to take her helmet off in front of everybody, again, I was like, yep, armor up to no good. Never plays out. It's, I don't know. It's like they set it up the whole time and then there was no payoff for it. It would have been too obvious if she had, because I, I agree when we get to the end and like Axe is not a traitor and the armor is not a traitor and like, shit i was expecting somebody be to be a traitor but i feel like it's a they're leading leading out a, a false trail well and i guess that makes sense because when they that's the episode two where they tava finds the best scar on the transport ship so i guess they were trying yeah. to make you think that i don't know i just didn't yeah it's a little bit of a red mm-hmm. herring or just a herring of some sort space herring chapter 22 <laughs> guns for hire we discovered that the remainder of Bo-Katan's Mandalorians, now led by Axe Wolves, still the best name ever, <laughs> is out doing gun-for-hire work in the galaxy. Bo, Din, and Grogu travel to Plazier 15, where they expect to find Axe, Casca, and company, who have been hired by the local leaders, played by Lizzo and Jack Black, and let's say, controversial guest star spots, as a private security force. A bunch of stuff happens, it's not that interesting, but at the end of the episode, Bo-Katan challenges Axe for the leadership of the Mandalorians and wins. And then Din gives Bo-Katan the Darksaber, freaking finally. And she regains her rightful place as leader of all Mandalorians, whether it's this, these mercenary ones or the weirdos back at the covert. By all accounts, Lizzo is a big Star Wars fan. I have worked with Jack Black. I used to know Jack Black. I can only imagine how excited he was to get a call to do something Star Wars. I know for a fact that he would have been. They're just two Star Wars fans that took a job. But I know they were very distracting for people. No, no, I think they did just fine with what they had, but Jack Black it doesn't Jack Black doesn't exactly have a lot of range. So when he's on screen, you know who he is. Um <laughs> not just because of the way he looks. So that was distracting. It like there there were a couple of uh cameos in previous seasons and on Book of Boba Fett with like Danny Trejo and Brian Posehn that were a little bit kind of like, yeah, I, I just recognize them too much as who they are. But I think this one was probably the, the biggest punch in the gut yet. Yeah. I thought Lizzo was fine. I thought Christopher Lloyd was fine. It was Christopher Lloyd looks old. Oh yeah. That was, that was I mean, the most upsetting old. thing about that was seeing how old he I mean, looked. I mean, he is yeah. old for but me. He's been old. He's been old our whole lives. <laughs> Think about this. He, he was yeah, old on TV. You look at, he felt old, and but he feels old in Back to the Future. Jack Black for me was the problem, and not a problem. It's like you said, Jack Black just—he's Jack Black, like, and yeah. that was distracting. And I also didn't buy that he was supposed to be an ex-imperial. No. Yeah, that that threw me for a loop too. He's just not imperial. Now I did enjoy in this episode when they were pushing over battle droids. I thought that was funny <laughs> until one of fought. 
I, I think Lizzo just wasn't given very good dialogue. Her dialogue was not good. It wasn't poorly delivered. It wasn't a problem with her or her acting. It was just weird, stilted dialogue. Like whoever wrote Padme's dialogue in episode two came back just to write Lizzo's part. Well, that man's name is George Lucas. Well, I know. This one brought up the old problem with droids in Star Wars too. Like Star Wars can't make up its mind if droids are sentient or not. They hint that they are, but then sometimes they talk that they're not. But in this one, you know, we got the droid bar, which I'm not real sure the message of that one, where they're like, yeah, like we have feelings and, you know, we want to be independent, but we totally love helping humans. I don't know. It felt off. Yeah, I'm not a fan of, I, I'm not a fan of droid bars and stuff like that mm-hmm. in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I, I, but, but you're right. It, it's, you know, we said it before. Like, whether your droid is sentient, sentient just depends on what you want for their story. And maybe the you know? new that comic, dark is it dark droids? So it's called dark droids. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe that's gonna kind of. It'll go into that. Address that a little bit. Yeah. But I just thought that whole scene was weird, especially that explanation where they're like, we live a long time. So we're more than happy to essentially be your slaves. All right. Well, (laughs) I don't mind a sentient droid, but they should be the exception, not the rule. Like L3 should be special. K2SO should be special, not just, hey, here's a whole bar full of sentient droids who just want to help. And battle droids should not be sentient. The whole point of battle right. droids is that they're controlled by a control ship and they can only do certain things. And they kind of have, yeah, but they have personalities. And they all have that same Roger Roger nonsense. Like they talk, they talk, they bicker. Yeah. You know, it's just a weird. They, they have their own thing they get into. It, I don't know. Their brain chips are just very cheap. The frustrating thing I found about this episode was that you have this thing in the middle with um. Uh, that, that gets all the attention with the distracting guest stars and all this stuff. And, and, and I would say the episode is just not very good. It's a, I mean, they, it was basically, uh, it was a police procedural um, yes. down to the enhance, enhance, enhance scene. Like it took every beat from an episode <laughs> of like CSI. Um, but what I find most frustrating about it is it ends with what I've been wanting to see forever, which is Bo-Katan getting the Darksaber back. So it kind of like took this episode that wasn't very good. And then at the very end, it tacked on this moment where like, and this is how I view these shows in general. Like, like I just watch them and then I, I, it's like a horror, it's like a horror fan, you know, like you, you sit through your horror film, you know, you may, you may have to sit through some crap, but you're just there to get to the kills in this star Wars stuff. I'm just there to get to the great moments mm-hmm. and the good, the good stuff. And like, to me, like Bo-Katan getting the dark saber back was good stuff. And that's what I wanted to see. I wanted her to fight for it, though. I don't. Yeah, but the problem is they've set it up that the only person she can fight for it is Din. I think they could have figured out a way to make him fight. I just wanted it to be a bigger deal. Yeah. Instead of, I mean, here you go. She beat me. So it's hers. The end. And I. Well, I mean, it it felt too like they kind of skipped what could have been a good story with Den having the saber and technically being in charge. Like they never had to deal through that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think there was a lot of potential there of 
you know, you could have Axe in them basically being like, yeah, so you're supposed to be the leader. What's up? That's true. They never did. Yeah. He never did step into that role because he didn't want it. <laughs> yeah, I think giving him a chance to fail would have been an interesting storyline. As, as the season goes on, we start to learn that the title of the show, The Mandalorian, is more talking about Bo-Katan than it is about Din Djarin. Well, and they've, you know, they build her now as the second lead, and they have said in interviews, yeah. The Mandalorian refers to him and her now. Yeah. So Yeah, like, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with it, just, this is The Mandalorian. It is about Mandalorians, you know? It doesn't have to be about one. But it does take it away. It does take away from the lone wolf and cub setup that we had for the first season. Yeah, right. Like we, like we said. Uh, have we missed what's his name? Zeb. Have we missed Zeb? No, no we, we talked mentioned about him in the recap. Briefly. I mentioned him in. I mentioned him in the recap that he had a cameo. Yeah, that was great. But <laughs> that's all I have to say about really that. <laughs> to, yeah, it was really good to see it's, live action. It's the Zeb. Chris Farley. That was awesome. <laughs> it's all to say about it. It was you guys awesome. remember? You guys remember when Zeb was in the Mandalorian? <laughs> that was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. He looked so good. He really did. I want to see. I want to see. I wanted to see him like a wedding ring or something. I wanted to see him and Callus together. Yeah, show his husband, you cowards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, chapter twenty-three: The Spies try to figure out who the spies are we get a cool imperial shadow council scene with moff gideon who we learned earlier has escaped and we get appearances by captain paleon finally brendel hux and there's a lot of talk of thrawn returning gideon requests forces including some tie bombers and interceptors to help him stop the mandalorians the covert arrives at their new home in navarro and grogu is given ig-12 a shell of an assassin droid that he can ride around in like a little toy Nope. I'm sure it will sell. I'm sure it will sell action figures. The Mandos then head to Mandalore with the intent of reclaiming it. They really. They, it is funny that they have their like. They get a new home in Navarro and they're there for like 30 seconds. They're like, hey, we're going to go take Mandalore back now. With the intent of reclaiming it, they run into Mando survivors who have never left the planet, even after the purge. Eventually, they discover a secret Imperial base on Mandalore run by Moff Gideon, who they knew who knew they were coming with troops. With troops with armor made of Beskar, Gideon runs off the Mandalorians, kills Paz Vizsla, and captures Din. This episode was brought to you by Hasbro. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of new toys in this one. All the figures I want. I, I wanted more of the Imperial stuff with Gideon, though, because that that was some cool stuff happening there, and I wanted to hear more of that. Right. And fun fact, did you know that uh, Brindle, young Brindle Hux was played by yet another of Brendan Gleeson's sons? Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready for a real fun fact? Why is Brindle Hux on the Shadow Council? We all know who should be there. And it is Admiral Ray Sloan, who <laughs> is technically with Brindle Hux at this point, out founding the First Order. This is nonsense that they didn't put Ray Sloan there. Well, yeah, Hux shouldn't be there, but if he's gonna be there, I don't think I don't think the world's ready for your girl Ray yet, Shwek. We ain't ready. You got Brindle Hux. The whole story is her and Hux disbanded the Shadow Council when Raxus died, and off they went. I don't know. It bothered me. Probably only like it bothered you because you love the aftermath books, <laughs> and 
And maybe maybe Filoni doesn't care about them. Well, or Favreau doesn't care about wrong. them. He's wrong. Ray Sloan should be there. <laughs> I, it would have been cool. I'm not saying it wouldn't have been cool. I get hugs. Been great to is see the name that people know. But we got to see Paleon. Yeah, we've only heard him, right? We heard his yeah. name in Rebels. He was in Thrawn's fleet at the end of Rebels. And it makes me all sorts of interested, like, where Thrawn is. Because if Paleon's in contact with him, that means he's back somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're asking, why haven't we talked to Grand Admiral Thrawn? So he's back. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I guess we yeah. knew because of the Jedi episode last season. Well, he might not be back, though. He might be. I mean, people know where he is. Doesn't mean he's necessarily back. He could be out getting the Katana fleet. But but the reason there could be a reason why he can't come to the phone right now uh-huh. during the Shadow Council meetings. You know, they're all like, where's Thrawn? Why isn't Thrawn saying this? And he's like, there could be a reason why he's not coming to the phone. Paleon could be covering because he's making Luke. <laughs> hanging out with Joris Kaboth and all of them. Oh God. So what to- what toys were they selling with this one? We got uh, a new Moth Gideon. Yeah, I think your biggest two, that new Moth Gideon, which I'm shocked didn't get announced already. With the Dark Trooper armor. Uh-huh. Uh, the IG-11 with Grogu in the stomach, which will be a hard IG-12. figure to make. IG-12, that's right. Um, that will definitely, we'll get the new Troopers. Yeah, you got the new Beskar Troopers. Yeah, those will be the big ones. I did like on Gideon's armor. Maybe some night owls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. Gideon's armor had the horns on it. Like it's got the death watch horns, which I thought again, got faked out. I was like, Oh look, it's the horns. You're hanging out with the armor, but nope. Um, I mean the IG 12 stuff. I thought it was funny. It is funny. It got to be a little much, but you know, it's still funny. It, funny. Uh, it, it is. I may have, I may not like it, but I do find it objectively mm-hmm. funny. <laughs> it was cute the first time, and it got less funny every time. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I thought breaking up the fight on the ship. I did like that scene where you had was it Axe that was playing with Paz the game. Yes. Yeah. And yes. then Grogu yeah. broke him up. I thought that was well done. It it yeah. did lead to some good uh, Ninja Turtles uh, memes on the internet with Krang. <laughs> oh, he does look like Krang. <laughs> it's kind of a Krang setup. I am surprised there wasn't more of a reaction when Bo-Katan admitted that she surrendered to Gideon after Night of a Thousand Tears. Like, Mando culture, that should have knocked her out. They should have been like, right. yep, screw you. But I guess they're kind of showing their culture changing a little bit with the bringing the clans together and all that. But I was surprised there wasn't more anger about that. Well, there's a bigger message going on here, right? Of That, you know, they say multiple times in the show that Mandos were always so busy fighting each other mm-hmm. that, that that's, that's how they ended up, you know, getting wiped out, basically, was that they were too busy duking it out over their own problems. That did make me remember. I think my favorite line of the season back in, I think it's episode three, maybe when they're, or no, when they first get to Mando, uh, Mandalore and they're walking down the hall and Bo's talking. And she was like, we were fighting for just things that are even too complicated to explain. I'm like, yep, you got that right. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Don't, don't yeah. get into all that. 
Yeah. Could have like an hour long episode and be like, and then Death Watch went to the moon. And then Darth <laughs> Maul came. <laughs> Pour one out for Paz Vizsla with his noble sacrifice. Yeah. Those were Praetorian guards, though, yeah. right? Yeah. Like Last Jedi guards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what he asks for in the beginning. So. Yeah, he asked for those. I mean, if they've got those, the First Order, they're they're starting to kick around pretty good. If they're in contact with them somehow. Yeah. I, and we've talked about that before. Like, it's still really unclear how exactly the First Order did what they did or how it's very they built up. Yeah, because at this point, somehow you've got badass guards that you can just send on over and send some ties and all that stuff. Maybe that's what they're going to say Thrawn is doing. I don't know. Helping build the First Order? Yeah. Well, but then he would be yeah. with Hux instead of Paleon. With Paleon. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So I guess the big question of this episode is, so the title is The Spies. There were not spies. There was a there spy. Was a there was spy. The, <laughs> yeah. There's what, what's her what's her name on Coruscant? Yep. Uh, Kane. Yeah. Yeah. Who gives the information to Gideon that they're coming? Again, it's more it's more of the time compression, right? Of of the these this show where like, you know, they say, "Hey, we're gonna go to Mandalore," and then she tells him and then by the time they get to Mandalore he's there and you're like how much time is supposed to have elapsed I gotta say the Empire is they don't seem very smart if they're using those giant probe droids still to send clandestine messages from Coruscant <laughs> it's true they're a little conspicuous <laughs> this is what this is a mouse droids time to shine why use the why use the spider droids because they can't stop the mouse droids from rolling around making all that stupid noise yeah, but the probe droids make noise. Yeah, they go, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, they're far less yeah. stealthy. Well, yeah. And I hope we go back to that story that the New Republic has a spy in a pretty high ranking access position. Yeah, I hope we come back to her. I didn't particularly care for the character, but I do hope we come back because then it, then it feels like, I mean, unless the whole thing was just to set up Moth Gideon's return, which is, is what it's there for. But yeah, this is this is the other reason why we thought maybe the 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 armorer would be, uh, you know, would turn because it was called the spies. Well, and they seem to set it up too because like right before they go into the fight, the armorer's like, or the empire shows up. She's like, yeah, I, I'm gonna go. <laughs> like, she just leaves, and so I was kind of I thought she was gonna go blow up the ship or something, or that Axe was gonna turn on him. But it was it's odd that it was the spies and there was a spy. Maybe we're just missing it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Chapter 24, The Return. Gideon launches his TIE bombers to destroy whatever is left of Mandalore. Din escapes, and he and Grogu make their way through the base. Din pulls the plug on Gideon's cloning tubes, killing a bunch of possibly Force-sensitive Gideons. There's a lot of badass Mandalorian jetpack fighting. Gideon, dressed up as a dark trooper, fights Bo-Katan and tragically destroys the Darksaber. Not cool. Axe Wolves crashes a star cruiser into the base, and Gideon seemingly dies in the explosion. Din and Bo and Grogu would have been killed too, but Grogu uses the Force to put a shield around them to protect them. Kind of Kanan Jarrus style. Mandalore is reclaimed with Bo-Katan where she's supposed to be. Din adopts Grogu officially, making him a foundling. 
They settle in a quaint little house on Navarro where they will make where they where, where they will hang out between bounty hunting missions for the New Republic. I was really bummed to see the dark saber go. Yeah, and it seemed a little anticlimactic the way they did it too. It's to take away. It's to show that she doesn't need that to lead, right? She doesn't need the dark saber to lead. It's it's at the end of the day, it's a meaningless symbol, right? Like she has it, Din has it. Pre Vizsla had it, Marth Gideon had it. That doesn't make any of them the ruler of Mandalore. The ruler of Mandalore is the person who steps up and leads her people. And that's what Bo Katan is doing, right? And she's going to take back Mandalore. And at the end of the day, she doesn't need a sword to tell her that she's the leader. She needs the people to tell her she's the leader. But it's an awesome sword. (laughs) I know. No, I trust me, I get it. I own a replica. We both own replicas of it. I'm aware, <laughs> but um, uh, but that's why I think they destroy the dark dark saber is to show that she doesn't need it anymore. Well, and also it keeps a recurring storyline from becoming of now this week somebody's going to come try and take the dark saber from her. So Esonado today released some pictures of a deleted scene that I wish they would have kept in apparently there is a scene filmed of him finding all the clones destroyed and like freaking out which i think would have added some to it and it looks really cool because you you don't ever really see him with a bunch of emotion and like the stills they release is like him screaming and like a kylo ren freak out yeah I was also disappointed that, like, we just got to hear, like, yeah, I made new Dark Troopers, and they've got Force Powers and Beskar armor, and I'm like, well, where are those guys? And then (laughs) didn't get... I mean, they wouldn't have been able to defeat them, clearly. But... Yeah. Have you seen the theory that that's not Moff Gideon? Yes. So he doesn't... Yeah, because he doesn't have the mustache. Gideon's always had the mustache, and he doesn't in that scene. Brother can't shave in space? Apparently not. Not without being mistaken for a clone. Now, it could have been chafing under his mask. I don't know. Maybe he had to trim down a little bit. <laughs> um, Maybe he was shooting something else. Mm-hmm. I also didn't love the Grogu where he was jumping around the lights. Like. Right. Grogu should have. I thought the Grogu should have wrecked those guys. I think that would have been a much better scene. I thought the fight scene was kind of cool. I liked that he was kind of offering his assistance a little bit. You know, he was he was given a push here and a pull mm-hmm. there. You know, I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah, it would have been interesting to see him. I mean, I think he has not. I mean, Luke never he never got to the point where he had lightsaber training, right? Mm-hmm. So like. I don't know. I, I don't think Luke taught him to be an offensive weapon yet. He doesn't use it for offense that very that often. You know? I mean, they had the thing where he had to pick between the shirt and the lightsaber, right? So right. did Luke like keep the lightsaber, or was Grogu like, "Can I just keep that because <laughs> you made it? What are you going to do with it?" No, he <laughs> didn't. He didn't give it to him. He didn't make it. It was Yoda's. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he that's said it was right. One of Yoda's. But no, I mean, I did. I I thought it was a neat idea for a fight scene to have them all kind of duking it out and Grogu just kind of doing a push here and a shove there just to make sure everything went okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to Noel's point, though, it still could have absolutely 100% been done without him. Yeah. 
um, much like the season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could have been done without him. So do you think Gideon's dead? I Yes. I, I once again have to defer back to I I don't believe it. I don't believe anybody ever is truly dead. I don't either. I I believe Tech is dead. I don't believe Moff Gideon is dead. I kind of like the finale though. It was it was a little underwhelming, but it, some of the Mando action was really good. Yeah. Some of the 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 fighting was really good. I'm, it's so secret. I don't love all the Mandalorians, but Bo-Katan flying with the dark saber in her hand was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. badass. And then the Star Destroyer was... crashing behind them. That was a really cool scene, too. And turns out, getting a memory core for an IG unit isn't that hard. You just have to go into a bar and be like, I can have that? And they're like, sure, take it. <laughs> yeah, they do end up bringing back IG-11 at the end um, as the new Marshal of Navarro. Um, uh, which is, again, felt like an unnecessary subplot for the season. Um, and that's kind of the capper to it, I guess. I all right. So the living water scene at the end. There's yeah. a couple of weird things in that. One, why is Ragnar back in the water again? He's already gone through the ceremony once. He don't need to do it again. It got interrupted. That's a, a side. It did it. I thought they finished it. I guess. I think it yeah. got interrupted. Um, clearly there is a deleted scene in there. If you watch, because Din goes from not having water on him to being wet. And so there's probably something else there. But my biggest problem is it should not be Grogu Din. That is wrong. <laughs> like Din Grogu. Din Grogu, Din yes. Din Grogu. It shouldn't be that. It should be Grogu Dejarin. That is what the name should be. I know it doesn't sound as good. It's not how Mandalorian naming works. I was really scared that Grogu was going to talk. Yeah. Like when he was standing on that thing, I was like, that little thing is going to say this is the way they are actually going to. Do this. Oh, I thought that too. <laughs> I was like, please don't do it. And I am glad they did not. He's got to talk eventually. Yeah. He does, but God, that would have been cheesy if he was like, well, and the they, built, they built up to it because they mentioned the fact that he can't talk earlier on in the season. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So you that, that's got to pay off at some point, right? Uh-huh. How, wh- how much money would you put on that they cut it? That he was supposed to in that moment? Because that moment felt exactly like that's what was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if you're if it, like if I would have if you would have paused it right before that moment and asked me what was gonna happen, I would I would have said exactly that. I would have said Grogu's gonna say this is the No, way. no, he's gonna say the way this is. <laughs> the way this is. Now No, because yeah, Yaddle doesn't speak backwards. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I would have been okay with it if he said it, but then immediately after, they put a little helmet on his head. <laughs> I would have just forgiven it because it would have been ridiculous and funny. <laughs> are we, is it going to – we're going to end up with him in a, you know, in a fucking armor? I don't know. Oh, surely not. <laughs> Those little ears sticking out. <laughs> Why not? They, they made him a little breastplate. Which he doesn't need. He's already got the little shirt. Why does he need his little signet there? Also, he's small. That's like, very heavy. He's and, he, and he's made him. He's officially now a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Like, he can't show. He's not supposed to show his face. How are they going to sell adorable toys without the adorable face? Oh, they'll sell a million adorable little Mandalorian toys. Like if he was in a little armor uniform. Yeah, just with his head poking out. 
Maybe they'll do like a time jump and we'll come back and it'll just be him in armor with a flamethrower. Just like wrecking. <laughs> just <laughs> like, wrecking up the place. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, this this maybe the reason that he, Grogu's not around to like help the the against the first order and stuff is because he's just a Mandalorian now. Mm-hmm. And they don't get involved. I would like to give props he, to Favreau on the final shot though, going with the little camera. Iris. Iris. I was like, that's quality Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a it was a little cheap for me. <laughs> that's what made it so me. good. Yeah. Yeah. But Star Wars suit, you know, will not give up its its wipes. Um its its camera wipes will uh I guess uh I guess yeah, I guess we'll have to accept the iris in on cute little baby at the end. Alright, let's go around the horn. Um as far as our final thoughts on the season, then we'll wrap it up. Uh, Beth. Like I said, I liked all the Mandalore lore, if you will. Uh, everything to do with all the stuff that I've wanted to know more about since the Clone Wars cartoon. I got to know a whole lot of that stuff. Overall, was this a great season of the show? Not at all. But it certainly wasn't terrible. Um, and I... Definitely enjoyed it more than Book of Boba Fett. I'm curious to see where they're going to take it now. And if it is just going to be Bounty of the Week stories, that might be cool. We'll see. So um, I think that the first season of Mandalorian is about as perfect as a, of a season of TV as you can get. Uh, season two had a an arc from start to finish. This season just didn't seem to know what it was. And that was, it just didn't have an identity like the, like the first two did. I didn't think so. Um, still overall, uh, I think the good outweighs the bad on it, but of the three, it's definitely the weakest of the three seasons. Um, I think that they, they could have, there, there could have been some stuff they cut out. And, and again, it just, it kind of felt like the whole thing was rewritten kind of hastily. Um, after after the initial story was laid out. I mean, like I already said, I thought it was fine. What it felt like to me was they are ready to move on to Ahsoka, an heir to the Empire. And this felt like kind of some checkboxes of wrapping some stuff up and finishing some stuff off kind of clumsily sometimes. Um and parts of it, I, I don't know how to like quantify this, but it felt like their heart wasn't in it as much as the previous seasons were. Like season one, especially, you know, it's kind of a cliche, but you kind of hear that feels like a love letter to Star Wars. Like, and this felt more where they're getting in the trap of getting into a crossover and kind of moving pieces into position. You know, it's always, I will take any star Wars over no star Wars. Um, but I think I'm ready to leave these characters to the side for a little while. Chad, what'd you think? I'm with Beth on the Mandalore lore stuff. I really enjoyed Getting to finally getting like a firm picture in my head of what the purge was, and the was it the night of tears, uh-huh. night of a thousand tears, uh-huh. what do you call it? 
I liked hearing that I liked that stuff. And, 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 and as someone who goes in, who is more about the greater star Wars story than I am necessarily about the individual pieces of media. Um, that stuff I enjoyed quite a bit. I liked getting kind of a, an ending, I would say to our, to the Bo-Katan story. Um, it may go on, but we get an ending to the story of, you know, will she ever one day rule Mandalore and reclaim it? Um, so I liked that stuff. I agree with Noel in the sense that um, it uh, um, feels like Grogu wasn't even a necessary element of the season. That they could have left him at Luke's temple and the story would play out exactly the same with a sweet little you know modification here or there but they're not going to do that they're they're not they've made it very clear that they're not going to do a season of television without grogu in it if it's called the mandalorian that's obvious and then i agree with ryan that it feels perfunctory it it, it feels that they're just a, there's a little bit of going through the motions in it I was a little I was a little disappointed that we didn't get and this sounds silly and I know it's a it's a loaded term now for some reason but I didn't feel like we got enough fan service in it like I wanted I wanted a few more things like the Zeb uh, cameo I would have liked a little more of that um they, they, I guess they, they, they spoiled me with the Luke thing last year, and so I was expecting more stuff like that. We didn't get that. Um, think about all the characters season two introduced us to. But, um, like you said, it's better than no Star Wars. It's mediocre. It's uh, a mess. But you know, it's a Star Wars mess. So. So I like it, you know, um, so I enjoy watching it, but it was a step down from the previous two seasons. And I, I, I'm not someone who loves the other two seasons, but it's definitely a step down from those two. Not to go back into it too much. I think one of the biggest surprises is that there was no stinger at the end. Yeah. Like, I mean, we had season one ends with the Darksaber. Season two ends with Luke. And this felt like a finale finale. You know, it's like Endgame where there's no after credit scene. Um, You're right. It did feel like a finale finale. And it could be. Maybe it will be and hopefully will be. I know they said the season four is already written. or It's written. Or that they have the idea for it. I mean, I would have killed for just like the back of Thrawn's head. That's what I mean. I was looking for mm-hmm. something like that. Something on the scale of Luke's appearance in season two. It didn't leave me wanting more, which is odd. So while the Mandalorian left us wanting a little more or left us not wanting more, excuse me, the high Republic Definitely, we always want more of. So, Beth, what are we doing next time? Next time, it's another twofer. We've got 
The Quest for Planet X by Jessa Gratton and Cataclysm by Lydia Kang. But for now, thank you so much, Noel, for joining us tonight. Where can the people find you? So uh, I am the co-host of the Audible Interlude podcast, which is a G.I. Joe podcast that I host along with Dave and Christian. Uh, we live stream mostly every other Monday on the Needless Things YouTube channel, and we do uh, audio episodes that are uh, uploaded every Friday. Uh, you can just check out Audible Interlude, uh, look us up on Instagram, um, and uh, you'll find postings and links to our podcast. And uh, you can also find me at dorkdroppings.com, a website that has been online since before Google was. All right. Well, thank you again for joining. And thanks to everyone else. We will talk to you all very soon. Roger, roger.